Castle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship their meat all over the beautiful U.S. of A. and straight to your door. Uh, they call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Uh, they offer Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, a Wagyu Frank without any fillers, uh, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. There's just so many great types of beef that you can get from uh, Hassle Cattle Company. So make sure you place an order because if you use the code DNVR10, you can get 10% off of your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. Any orders over $200 and you receive free shipping. Uh, check them out and we promise you will not be disappointed. Extra special deal this week too for DMVR subscribers. 50% off Hassle Cattle Company ground shuck. Wow, that's uh, hamburger, right? uh, we, you can make it into hamburger. You could make it into meatballs. You could make it into meatloaf. meatloaf. You could make it into something to stuff peppers with um oh. mushrooms you can make a little meat pie with it so many options wow. on that side yeah ground chuck um i could go that might, ground chuck right now there you go that might be a new alter ego for you henry um you could put a little in a little pasta sauce yeah i'm just gonna call you ground chuck from now on you like that idea okay we are <laughs> I kinda on do. that note <laughs> we are, i do too that's what i'm saying it's an alter ego we're the draft pod presented by DraftKings sportsbook uh getting on the action don't miss out already some draft props on there mostly just first pick i think there were some off-season ones i i may have some action on those tbd on that side I am Andre Simone, joined by Henry Chisholm, Jake Schwanitz, fellas, uh, Justin and Michael, busy with some DNVR Rams content. Check all that out. Fun things going on in the hoops world there. Um, but in Justin's honor, we've got some natty recap talk because I know everyone's a buzz about Mac Jones. Everyone's doing what I was doing five years ago and hating on the, uh, you know, immobile shotgun pocket passer. And I'm going the other way because I always have to be the one steering, you know, going straight. Everyone wants to go down, uh, opposite, you know, dangerous extreme paths. I steer straight. And we also have some info because the Broncos have a new general manager. We are calling him general Peyton, uh, because that's how it's pronounced and because we want to see how many times we can try and say that and not say General Patton, which is what we desperately want to say. Um, anyways, there's some great stuff, obviously, on the regular Broncos pod and on the written side for subscribers on this hire uh, from a draft side. It's exciting because it feels like in a lot of ways the Broncos will have a more conventional 
forward-thinking modern front office under Peyton, a guy who contributed in his time at Minnesota in drafting 15 different players who went to the Pro Bowl, uh, 33 Pro Bowls, I believe. And this feels, he feels to me a lot like Chris Ballard, the guy who was hired to be the Colts GM and a guy who's been very solid with the Colts. You know, they've moved up the draft board, down the draft board. They've, uh, you know, been aggressive in targeting younger quarterbacks and Jacoby Brissett. They've bounced back from losing a franchise quarterback kind of out of the blue. Um, and, you know, they've, they've built a very solid program there. And I'm excited about Peyton and all that he can bring. Um, so anyways, from a draft perspective, we just wanted to touch on that and any thoughts you guys have the first direction I want to go with this though. The first thing that pops into my head is, you know, what will he would do at quarterback? And again, we've had some pieces written there worth noting. He's been very aggressive or that front office. He's come from has been very aggressive. They've drafted two guys in the first round. Um, one a terrible pick at Christian Ponder and one of the great top 15s of all time. Uh, top 15 that included Tyron Smith, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Von Miller, um, Alden Smith, J.J. Watt. Um, so the teams that drafted quarterback in that top 15 don't look so great. Um, and also Teddy Bridgewater, which at the time was a great pick. Um, when Bridgewater went down, they were very aggressive in pursuing a veteran in Sam Bradford and giving up a future first. Um, and that was all because they wanted to pair Bradford with Pat Shermer. And um, I believe Bradford just gets hurt and that allows Case Keenum to come in and they rattle off like 14 wins. Um, and it's been an aggressive front office in going after veterans at quarterback and Brett Favre and uh, Kirk Cousins, of course, most recently in trading big veteran names or trading for big veteran names like Jared Allen. Um, so it's an exciting hire because he can't pigeonhole Peyton into anything. Um, he, he's just been around and yeah, I'm just excited at the possibilities, but I've kind of hogged the floor. Anything else that jumps out to you fellas? Not off the top. I mean, you know, when you're deciding between GM candidates, it's pretty hard because totally. we have no idea what these guys are about. That being said, I do think that Peyton and uh, Fontenot, the Saints guy, were the two yeah. guys that I was, Absolutely. I guess, most looking forward to having with the preference being for Peyton. So, I mean, I'm as happy as I could be with this hire. Because of um, those draft records, right? Exactly. <laughs> that and just... I think that uh, it's something Justin and uh, Henry talked and I talked about a while ago after a show. Um, we were just talking about the prospects for the Broncos GM. And I told them I wanted a guy that was, you know, kind of modern, like you said, someone that could really help push this organization forward. Cause I feel like the Broncos have kind of been, you know, left behind in terms of yeah. some of the other, you know, uh, more successful organizations yeah. over the past five years. So I think that this could finally be that kickstart they need to becoming a modern football organization and getting back on the right track. Yeah, um, I definitely think so. Um, I think that, you know, I, I said on one of these shows that I really like the idea, even though I'm not like a super analytics-y person, of bringing in somebody who is known for the analytics side of things because of what the Broncos already have. Because this is somebody who's joining a team that has John Elway and Vic Fangio on it. And it's very obvious what is missing when that is the duo that is running everything. 
Um, and I think that George Payton fits that very well. I think he has a great track record. Um, I, I think that, you know, I, I just got off the end of season call with Carl Durrell, the Buffs head coach, mm-hmm. um, CU, yep. and he was a graduate assistant at UCLA at the same time that Peyton was a DB there. And he mm-hmm. was talking about how well-respected um, Peyton is. And that's something that we've heard repeatedly, but coming from Carl Durrell, who's known him since then, who's known him as somebody who's been in the NFL for 12 of the last 13 years, he says, yes, he, he's good at his job. He knows his stuff. He's a hard worker. Everybody thinks that of him. That is the reputation he has. There's a reason that he's been offered GM jobs before. And mm-hmm. Carl said that he was really excited that he accepted this one because he's a great guy and he wants to be able to spend a bunch of time with him. Um, and those are all good things that you want to hear. Um, the one other thing that I'll say, the one thing that stands out to me that I really like, even though there were some question marks at quarterback throughout his time with the Vikings. Yeah. They still were able to make it the playoffs six times with six different quarterbacks. That is really hard to do. And I think that that is definitely a stat that I will put some weight in because it does feel like he can build just a good roster that can win kind of regardless of a hole here or there, even in some important spots. Yeah. Good points. I think it's worth noting that, the Broncos and Vikings really do kind of strike me as similar organizations in terms of how they're built and ran um, in no. terms of coaches. And I mean, we got Shermer in town now in Denver, so there's a link there, mm-hmm. but um, I'm look at Kubiak. Kubiak went to the Vikings after he left the Broncos. So there's some philosophical similarities, I think between the two. And I think that Peyton could really come in and help uh, not only tap into those similarities, but really kind of bridge the gap between the organizations. Uh, I don't think it's, uh, a debate at this point, the Vikings have been more successful than the Broncos over the past five years. So sure. Yeah. And I mean, you like that he's worked with a veteran, one of the better defensive coaches in the entire league. Um, and I think his pairing with Fanjo should work really nicely. And I like what you said about the quarterbacks, Hank, it's really true. Despite them, you know, <laughs> the old LA phrase hitting and missing plenty. Um, again the old LA phrase they kept like shaking trees and you know trying to find every avenue Bridgewater goes down they trade for Bradford and then it's their the backup to the backup or the backup to the emergency plan traded for veteran that comes in and saves them you know um they have drafted quarterbacks multiple times in the first they have gone after veterans and I wonder how a roster that kind of had to be depleted and taken apart after that NFC championship appearance with Keenum, with Shermer, and primarily because they gave Kirk Cousins a, a very lucrative veteran quarterback contract. I wonder if that's something Peyton has learned from. And if with a pick like the ninth pick, which I don't have it in front of me, I would venture to say as a Minnesota GM, boy, I'm trying to think when the last time the Vikings had a top 10 pick would have been. It's been a while. It's been a while. They've been a really solid organization. Um, Maybe it goes back to Christian Ponder and the Von Miller draft and 12th overall, you know, something like that, where I think they even traded up into the top 10 potentially. Um, So I really wonder if a guy like that who's coming off an experience like that 
is extra motivated to get a rookie rookie quarterback um, under a rookie contract and five years of potential team control because he understands the value of having that $40 million position cost you, you know, a fraction of that and what that can mean for the rest of the roster as you build forward. So anyways, lots of avenues. I, I um, like Jake Fontenot would have been, or Fontenot was with Peyton um, in my top two. I would have gone with him um, for a few different reasons. And I think there's it's been thrown out there by people like Woody Page that this might not even be, you know, this might just be the first shoe to drop that there could be a, you know, a pro scouting or a, a VP of a football personnel, another potential candidate to come along with Peyton as his right-hand man in a bit of a front office dream team, not unlike what we saw with Fanjo and Munchak. That's my dream scenario. That's what I'm really hoping for is for that second shoe to drop in that um, sense. Fontenot, though, for a few different reasons, um, coming from that Saints uh, pedigree would have been my preferred choice. But as Jake said, in with coaches especially, Henry, you were joking about this um, last week with us, how with like coaching hires you're almost always wrong like the one that on paper looks good always ends up being a disaster and the one that on paper maybe looks dumb There's ends like, up being like really solid yeah, yeah exactly exactly like, it's just hard to read like to grade a coaching or front office hire based on someone's resume on wikipedia yeah. Um, or even based on some quotes or their draft record, because you never know like who influences who, right? Um, so it's just going to be interesting. And again, I I see this as a very Chris Ballard type hire. And uh, the beauty of that Colts front office is the last two years they've done many docu series about their whole like path through the draft and scouting and then going through draft day and seeing that front office and it's a front office that i really respect and uh, so if that's what the broncos have done here with this higher boy i'm all in because i think that means some great draft pods from here until the end of time under general peyton so uh welcome fam and uh yeah let's get this let's get this thing turned around and I think when you bring up a potential dream team, it's important to remember John Elway is still around. Like yes. this isn't just like a two-headed monster thing. There's John yes. Elway who's won a Super Bowl as a GM who's also going to be Perfect. part of that. So there's just such a high ceiling. And and with everything looking like there's going to be a new owner in a year or so, if you could bring in another guy to be Peyton's right-hand man and just have like more pieces that you like set in stone when that transition time comes that would just be so valuable for the broncos or even you know if things aren't going well at least you have two in-house options that the new owner can pick from um just to increase the odds of things working out well then we have to mention at least that matt russell also has gone too so there's a there's a big void in the broncos front yeah. office so there's potential for a lot of new blood to come in and the overall philosophy and direction of this team could just be totally different in a year or two, just with the new guys being brought in, even if Elway is still in the picture. Absolutely. And even what this means, you know, for uh, if things weren't to work out and Peyton were to hire his own head coach, you know, you think about the kind of people that have passed through Minnesota 
um, like Stefanski and maybe someone like an Alex Van Pelt who was on the staff and did a really good job calling that playoff game against the Steelers. Um, you know, there are all other avenues and roads we can go down. So that's that's our thoughts with that, and that makes it fun. We at least know who will be behind the trigger when we do our next mock at nine. Um, break or Natty thoughts real quick. I forget when we started this. Let's take a quick break, Hankster. Okay, let's take a quick uh, break. Yeah, special shout out by you, our whole spiel. You know, <laughs> so yeah, funny. we we are so good at that spiel. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. While the holiday season may be over, the sports calendar is in full swing this week. From collegiate to professional sports, there is no shortage of action, and there is no uh -huh. better place to get in on all of this action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't tried out DraftKings Sportsbook yet, then what are you waiting for? To celebrate this year's football playoffs, DraftKings is giving all new players the chance to bet on any of this weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. That's right. All you have to do is bet $1 on any football game this weekend, and if your team wins, you cash $100. While we're all excited for football, let's not forget the 2021 basketball season is tipped off, so head to the app now to check out all of DraftKings' daily odds boosts. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get 100 to 1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's code DNVR for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And on that... So incendiary tweet in our group text was uh, was put in on how Urban Meyer is saying there are, you know, lots of great quarterbacks in this class and it's wide open for him between Lawrence Fields and um, Zach Wilson. Well, the good folks at the DraftKings Sportsbook app are calling BS on that because um, <laughs> Fields Still, or Lawrence, still a minus 5,000 uh, favorite there with um, Field second at plus 1,100 and Zach Wilson fourth at plus 2,500. So if you are in the small majority that think that Urban Meyer being hired um, means that the Jaguars will stay at the first pick, but will draft Justin Fields rather than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, there you go. You uh, you can take that at eleven to one, right? That's plus eleven hundred for you. Or, and, or um, Zach Wilson. Or Zach Wilson, if you're trying to get crazy. He's got a gun. And <laughs> yeah, he he does. He's a man. He's fun. Um, all these quarterbacks are fun, frankly. And then our top four for the college football. Um, you know, to, to win the natty at DraftKings Sportsbook, you have Alabama at plus 300, followed by Clemson at plus 350. That's where I think the value is. Ohio State at plus 400 and Oklahoma at plus 800, followed by Georgia and LSU. Um, so there you go. Oklahoma uh, could be a fun one. They're young. With Rattler there, I kind of like it. The best value? 
Plus four thousand, North Carolina. No, the the best value oh. is Alabama. Plus three hundred. It's just it's no, gonna hit. It sucks. Honestly, but, though. Yeah. The best best value might be Clemson plus three fifty though. Sure. Clemson, dude. DJ at quarterback and that Justin Ross coming back. Justin Ross coming back and that just that man child they have on the defensive line, that true freshman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like Clemson's a handful. If they're not the the favorites, um, that's worth many sprinkles throughout the year. I'm so you, and sure. Cincy, you know, all you small school guys, plus five thousand, they got their quarterback back. Yeah, but also it's Cincinnati. I mean, there Cincinnati's not allowed in the playoff. It's not gonna happen. They go undefeated. Nobody's gonna bat an eye. They're they're number six. Congrats. It's true. It's really true. Are the buffs on here? Of course the buffs are on here. Yes. Okay. Plus fifty thousand for the buffs to win the natty. Ooh. Everyone's coming back, as Henry will tell you. So there you go. Yeah. Carl Durrell didn't sound like he would take that bet this morning. <laughs> really? Um yeah. Now, here's the one. Away. Since this also goes on the Rams feed, of course, plus 100,000 on the Rammies to win the Natty. That's a dollar to win a grand. So, um, It's a dollar to win nothing. <laughs> it's a dollar that you're just no longer going to have. Who knows? Maybe Steve Adazio goes to the Jags and uh, <laughs> and they get a good coach. <laughs> a new cycle is opened. Um, all right. Natty recap. Mac Jones is all the rage. And I don't even again, as I was saying, um, I'm neither anti nor for Mac Jones. He simply is who he is. And I want to make sure our listeners and the people who know me can understand who that is um, without falling into like BS, just fluff talk traps. So, um, but anyways, in that game, what did you guys think? Who stood out for you? Um, where do we want to go with this? Mac Jones just didn't well, miss. I, I yeah. think to me, if, if since this is mostly Broncos focused, the storyline has to be with the quarterbacks to start. And to me, yeah. Mac Jones just didn't miss. If it was a deep ball, if it was a short ball, like, sure, it was pretty easy because Devontae Smith is one of the best. Very. I mean, the, he is the best college receiver of all time. And that certainly will make things easier for Mac Jones. He also I did just uh, throw five touchdowns in a national championship game. And are we really going to pretend that that's no big deal? You know, well, also Ohio State's plan in that too. Like Devontae's just running free, yeah. and Sean Wade again, just like flushing money down the table every time he steps on the field. He's like falling another round. It's absurd. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Mac Jones, it's definitely uh, you definitely got to start there. Go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say, Ohio State's like me when I return to Madden after a few months off and you just play cover three on every defensive play because they were guarding Devontae Smith with some hook curl linebacker that it, the play was <laughs> yeah. over from the snap, man. I mean, yeah. what is going on there? Yeah, um, they're just giving him free, you know, they're, they're putting him in motion pre-snap and he was just like running away with the head of steam. And then those deep crossers that are like his bread and butter, just like forgetting he was even there. 
poor Pete Warner's the only guy running behind him. Like that's a matchup you're gonna lose every single time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just nuts. We'll talk enough about the quarterback. So real quick, I just want to talk about some other guys. Uh, Christian Barrymore, uh, someone that Todd McShay has in the first round already. Right, the um, D lineman from Alabama. Man, yes, potentially the top D lineman in a very weak class. Yep, extremely weak class. Yeah, he uh, once they went up and he could get cooking, he uh, he started to create some pressure for sure. But could he did kind of benefit a bit from some of those Ohio State injuries on the interior offensive line that they had in that game too. So. Yeah. Um, something to kind of bookmark as we go back and look. Uh, also, Trey Sermon, very unfortunate injury on the first carry of the game. Horrendous. Um, that kind of really changed the course of the you game, bet. in my opinion. Yes. Um, and then back to Devontae Smith, you know, I said last or two pods ago, I guess, I can't remember that uh, Jalen Waddle might be the first wide receiver drafted still. I'm re- about ready to throw that out the window because Devontae Smith is just so special and so rare in so many different ways that I just don't know how you could pick another wide receiver over him at this point. Agreed. Hold on to this because the further we get from the tape, you guys know what's happening. Yep. Um, I've seen it all before. Uh, he's, uh, I, I just can see it. I just can see it being undervalued for sure. Um, and that, I mean, that offense, even though everyone in the world knows that's the dude you have to stop, boy, Sark and that offense did a really nice kit job of, they just kind of manufacture ways to, to pick and choose matchups and really, really stress defenses and Ohio state with a few injuries and a few COVID misses and guys like Sean Wade, just not playing up. Um, boy, really got cooked. Really got cooked. Najee Harris looks really good once again. Super complete back. Um, you know, top thirty-five seems like really a pretty safe um projection. The first running back off the board. He has to be. Who Who else would you take? You know, I think Javante and Travis Etienne are right there. Javante so. Williams, yeah. I love Javante, but that's tough for me. No, I know, but you know, we're um we're projecting, so it's uh sure. it's tough. It's a different the, game. The offensive line is what scares me a little bit. I mean yeah. If you if, if you're a team up. that's drafting a running back with a good offensive line, then yeah. Uh, Najee Harris seems like it's probably the way to go. But it, that will be in the back of my head all through this process. Sure. It's just like how, how much of it was that he'd never really got touched in the backfield. Yeah. I do see decent patience and vision, though, from him. You know, um, they were talking about it in the broadcast. His feet are just unreal, though. Man. Insane, insane, insane. Yeah, he's such a technique. That's a Bama man, certain Najee. Um, Devante, you these guys are technically, I mean, Mac Jones, offense or no offense, players around him or not. That, that dude's been a technician as well. Um, he, yeah, I mean, those guys have just been rock, rock solid. And uh, Mac Jones, I, I don't think it was his most impressive performance. Um, it's why a lot of people are gonna kind of criticize any hype he receives because. 
all considered it was actually a pretty easy game from his standpoint. I mean, he, you know, his his timing, accuracy, ball placement has been so immaculate this final half of the season where he's just not missing. So already it's easy because his guys are just getting open at will, and then he makes it look extra easy um, because he's just getting the ball's flying out of his hand. He's getting it out. Um, and you know. He's really executed this offense well, and it is an offense that in the modern game has a ton of pro concepts um, because Sark, you know, and anyone look up that that clinic that's on YouTube. Um, this is Alabama's running the same exact stuff that Sark was running um, with the Atlanta Falcons and that you see all over the league. Successfully um, with the Falcons, too. Absolutely. Yep. It and, worked successfully all over the league you know it's yeah. it's rpo and building off of that and mac really stands out in the progression stuff um which is kind of the stuff where matt ryan stands out in and i think guys like matt ryan like jared goff to even though it's not an apples to apples comparison like baker mayfield quarterbacks with really good o-lines really good running games run first approaches on offense and really good weapons on the outside. Derek Carr even fits um, in these more West coasty style offenses. You know, those guys, when they're executing and taking advantage of those one-on-ones outside, or they're throwing those crossers, which you're going to get when you're in man coverage um, and they're just throwing them with good anticipation and timing. Uh, if you're executing that, you can be a really good quarterback in that kind of system that's catered to you. And I think that's where Mac Jones is going to, um, I think that's his projection. And I've talked about it before. You know, he falls in my head in a tier of quarterback prospects that hasn't been um, historically super consistent and panning out, you know, those shotgun and mobile guys who are really good with the deep ball accuracy um, and throwing downfield, you know, um, and the questions are going to be that raw talent because he doesn't have the, the bazooka arm and he doesn't have the uh, really good athleticism. Um, so it's an interesting eval in a year like this, where a lot of the top guys were going off of sophomore tape, which can be pretty inconsistent. Um, I still think he goes top 50 playing. And so, yeah, I don't even think that's a hot take. No. I just think that's like the right call. The NFL with as many quarterback needy teams as there are, will come after him. And, um, if the Broncos did it, the first thing I would tell disappointed fans is, boy, it'll be nice to have someone with that kind of deep ball accuracy, consistent deep ball accuracy, thrown to wide, the wide receiver core the Broncos already have. It's not a bad and pick. I know he throws to a lot of wide open guys to Alabama, but and in any evaluation, there are pro throws. You just need to keep looking and keep watching more and more tape until you find them, and you need to weigh those more heavily. Um, anyone looking to give Mac Jones a more serious look, I would suggest going back to the Ole Miss game um, where, you know, Kiffin, Kiffin and Sark, they grew up together. They know that offense. So Kiffin definitely forced Mac Jones into a few more tight window throws. Um, and I think he stood out. I like the poise he showed in Georgia of taking his shots when he needed to, but also taking the checkdowns when he needed to and watch him in the red zone, red zone, tighter windows, 
that's where you see more tight window. Um, you'll see more zip. You'll see more touch. You'll see him squeeze it in. And that's where the eval reminds me a little more of Baker, who himself was thrown to a lot of wide open guys. Um, but then in the tighter windows, you could see that, uh, you know, his arm tick up a little more. So that those are my thoughts on Mac Jones. Um, and man, but give him credit. Immaculate season. And even though he lost two top 15 wide receivers, <laughs> I think it's hard to argue against him outplaying to a tag of Yeah, I think that's fair. Case. Yeah. I mean, my question is, where does he stack up for you guys at this point? Like, I, I think for me, I have him as number four. It's a fun class. But but I still haven't Very done fun. that Trey Lance rewatch I've been meaning to do for forever, and maybe that'll switch something. Yeah, I mean, I I could see, I think, two or three different quarterbacks at this point really being QB2 for me. Um, I, I need to go back and watch Fields now and Jones now that the season's over completely for them. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I think Trey Lance deserves to be in that conversation for number two. Uh, yes. Going back to Mac Jones, though, I like what you said, Andre, about uh, fitting that Jared Goff, Matt Ryan archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, this might be a bit confusing, but there's a difference between arm talent and pure passer, right? Yes. So I think Mac Jones might be the best, besides Trevor Lawrence, of course, the best pure passer in this class in terms of just hitting guys in stride, letting them run after the catch, just overall on targetness. Let's say best um, ball placement of the class. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that in mm-hmm. Goff and Ryan's game, yep. which obviously Jones has. Yeah. Um, and I actually don't think he's too far off from being a Drew Locke type prospect. Obviously not as athletic, but mm-hmm. um, just the ability to kind of hit the downfield throws. I mean, Locke showed it in college, not as much in the NFL, but uh, that's something that I think you really have to kind of highlight, especially as a Broncos fan. And after watching Drew Locke this last year and how bad he was throwing deep, Mac Jones can hit those deep balls. So something to look into. Extremely consistent in that. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's just had a, whew, an impressive season. To me, Hank, I haven't locked in any grades, but I've definitely walked, watched a lot of Mac Jones this week. Um, to me, Lawrence is going to be in a, a tier of his own. He's probably going to get an elite grade, which is the top tier I can give to anyone. Um, I think on a more... In a level of evaluation, even Lawrence wouldn't be... wouldn't His resume wouldn't quite warrant an elite grade, but with quarterbacks, position value ticks everyone up, like a half grade... Um, so that's going to help Lawrence get in that. I think Fields and Zach Wilson will have solid first round grades. Um, Fields based on just some overwhelming upside. Uh, like, so he has it as a pocket passer. He's as good as anyone in this draft Fields is. Um, there's just a little trigger shyness and indecisiveness. But his raw talent is such to buy him similar to a Josh Allen or even a Lamar Jackson or even a Deshaun Watson or even a Kyler Murray, two, three years of figuring it out up here between the ears. Um, 
to still be a winner and still warrant getting those snaps. And then if he figures it out, uh, yikes. Yeah. So, and, and I think Zach Wilson, I mean, there's, there's some massive upside um, in what he can do off script, um, off platform, off balance, those kind of traits that are really proving to be um, massive difference makers in this next gen of quarterbacks. And, so and I think those, yeah, go ahead. I think Zach Wilson's athleticism is right up there with a Justin Fields with uh I mean not quite Lamar but Kyler Murray like when I watch him like he moves he moves like a Kyler Murray and sometimes more like a Lamar Jackson than a Kyler Murray and, and I think that there is some some more there can I make a small a correction I I agree but I, I believe it's more escapability than just raw athleticism more Mahomes ish yeah huh. right or or uh, Mayfield-esque, you know, where Mayfield's a guy who ran a 4.78 and is barely six feet. Like, as far as NFL standards go, that is a below average, uh, you know. And to me, athleticism is all as a, fra- as a per size metric. Um, it, it really means nothing to be um, a below average athlete if you're Big Ben and it, it takes, you know, three attempts to take you down. Um, or vice versa, you better be a pretty good athlete if you're like below six feet. Um, so in that, I think Zach Wilson, yeah, good athlete, like extraordinary NFL athlete for the quarterbacks. Like I just rattled off, probably not. Escapability wise, though, yes, Hank, you're absolutely right. He's I really think, good at huh. escaping pressure. I think downfield in space is where he is sometimes at his very best. When he's one on one with a defender, I, I think that he wins that enough. To, to be seen as like, I mean, a true dual threat. In fact, like the type of dual threat where you even say like, are we more interested in his legs than his arm? He's got great shake to him. He's got yeah. great quickness. He's a former uh, point guard, isn't he? Uh, I know he played basketball. So. I'd assume point guard. He's an athlete. Yeah. So. No, he's undoubtedly an athlete. And then, you know, that you, you add that escapability to, to his, you know, his, how we can just, rattle off passes with no time whatsoever um he's impressive so he's firmly in in a first round grade those guys might even tick up enough to get in that um i have a next tier that's like a top 10 grade um and then i think lance is in that a tier of his own which is a late first early second grade which is what i give to kind of rawer prospects who don't don't check off all the boxes to warrant a first round grade, but still have overwhelming potential to, to far exceed that tier grade. And I think Mac Jones with that significantly lower ceiling than everyone is again in a tier of his own, probably with a solid second round grade, but again, position value this draft. And in general, I, I could, I could easily see him um, working his way up further than that. I think my thing is so that's how I see. with Mac Jones, like I, I'm not worried about the ceiling. Like, like if, if he doesn't turn into like, like he doesn't have the potential to be what Michael Vick had the potential to be, you know, where, where he can just do everything. Like you don't need that. You, you don't, I mean, need... you're in a division with Mahomes and Herbert. So, well, I, I mean like you need to be really good and you can be really good without being able to run around, you know? And I think that he has shown, I enough... agree. To, to be like a, a really good quarterback. I mean, you look at who's playing this weekend, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, 
Like Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career really isn't moving all that much. And then on the other side, like it's, it's athletes yeah. everywhere. I mean, Goff also in the NFC. I, I do think like, sure, maybe he doesn't have the, the highest ceiling, but in the same way that like Nikola Jokic doesn't have the highest ceiling because he can't jump. Also, he Henry, can just go win MVP and be the anchor of a championship team. I'm glad you said that. I agree. I think we've gone too far in like lack of mobility shaming in the NFL because yeah. I say the same exact thing. Like, look at the end of it. Like, we act like the super, like Mahomes won the last 10 Super Bowls and Josh Allen won another three and Lamar Jackson won the other two with Deshaun. That hasn't happened, guys. Like, the, you've announced the revolution. It has yet to fully occur. Um, you know, and guys like Kirk Cousins made a boatload of money. He's the most immobile, low ceiling quarterback. Uh, your your eyes will ever come across. And also, I will say this: arm strength. We can get enamored with raw arm strength. That is a trait that develops over time as players reach physical maturity. Um, uh, Tom Brady being number one case. I mean, there's a reason Brady dropped to the six, and just like uh, people were like puking over themselves watching him at the combine. They were embarrassed for him. He was just such a below-average uh, talent for NFL Sanders. Arm power can tick up over time. Um, so, you know, so again, not super high on Mac Jones, not super low. All things considered, if if the, the draft was just like pure and easy second round grade for me. But with all things considered, I think he goes in the top 15 and I won't be critical of such a selection. That's where I'm at too. And my, the one other thing I want to say is, you know, there's, there's been that picture that's going around of like him. Oh yeah. The dad bar without a shirt. You see that body and you think, huh, don't love that. But then you think going through this draft process, is it, is it really that, I personally would not be surprised if he steps on like the scale shirtless or whatever at the combine and looks very similar to what Tom Brady looked like. Like, I think he's going to lose like just enough fat to be just like that other picture that we see all the time. And I, don't, I, I just have very good vibes from Mac Jones and I'm not going to discount the fact that he just won a national championship with one of the best teams ever. And he was a very important part of that. That's the thing with Mac Jones is like his negatives, while they are negatives, I guess you're still kind of reaching a bit, right? I mean, you can't really deny what the guy did on the field. Yes. You know, and when you watch him throw the ball, it's obvious he can play the position and he can sling it. Yeah. I mean, and don't have a double standard. Like Burrow had maybe the greatest offense around him in college football history. Yeah, exactly. Tua had a, you know, on paper, I think it can't be argued Tua's offense was better than the one Mac Jones just ran, like plain and simple. Um, and Tua, like consensus top five, even after like a super scary injury, no one questioned that. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, let's hold everyone to the same stand. Baker Mayfield had Mark Andrews and uh, Marquise Brown, two NFL tackles, running backs like and Lincoln and Riley calling plays for him. Yeah, and CD like... That's pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all played into the just overall team building philosophy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, quarterback, while it is the most important position, 
your ability to gel with the pieces around you and the quality of those pieces around you are going to determine just as much, if not more than the quarterback play singles in the NFL. So, I mean, he's a guy that showed that he can perform really well when the situation around him is really good. So if he lands in another situation or with a franchise that, you know, has a history of at least getting it together and being a competent competitive franchise, wouldn't surprise me to see him be someone like a Matt Ryan or a Jared Goff, uh, one of those pure passing type quarterbacks, maybe right. a bit better than Kirk Cousins. But um, like to me, his ceiling is like eighth, ninth best quarterback in the league. Sure. Yeah. Who can be like top three in, pa- in raw passing yards. But as we know, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's just different types of guys. Like, like, like mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson is just an offense. That's what he is. And, and he, your team is going to go as far as Lamar Jackson takes you because every play is about him. Even if it's a handoff, you're probably handing the ball off to set up something else. You're, you're going to have him run around and look like he has the ball, all this kind of stuff. And Mac Jones isn't that type of guy. He isn't right. just like, a this team is on my back and we are going to go win. No, he's going to need to have talent around him. Guess what? If you don't put talent around anybody, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. So let's Indeed. stop worrying too much about whether the guy Correct. can succeed unless he has great weapons. That's football. If you want to be number one out of 32, you're going to need to have some pieces in place around your quarterback. I, I really do think sure. that he, he can be very good. I, like I, I don't like putting a ceiling on somebody like that. They have to be like eight or ninth best because how, how big is the gap between yeah, no, you're right. him and you're right. Ben Roethlisberger when at his peak, Ben Roethlisberger was whatever drew Brees and drew Brees has turned into no, whatever. No, or like rivers or Brady or like Montana, man. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I, but we, I feel like we have to at least acknowledge the other side though. I mean, just look at Tua. he came in and he, while he did flash and yeah. I'm still a believer in him as a prospect overall, he I mean, definitely struggled as a rookie. I mean, there's a big difference. That clip from Fitzpatrick uh, talking to two on the sidelines. There's a big difference between throwing the ball to wide open guys and just having to trust your guy and like throw it in there. You have to build that confidence over time. Yeah. And when you're playing at Alabama and you've got Devontae Smith and you've got Najee Harris and Jalen Waddle, all these guys, you well, don't really season. have those situations where you're going to have to force a ball and make a play with your arm. Yeah, um, because the guys downfield or in the backfield are already going to just make that play because of who they are. Absolutely. And that's probably a big reason why guys like Mahomes, like Josh Allen, like John Elway coming from losing teams or teams that, you know, a 500 season is the success. Jared Goff are more used to that kind of uphill battle. So it's less of an adjustment. Um, and I mean, all the guys I comp them to the high ends are Goff Mayfield to some extent. Dwayne Haskins is a comp I've made many times. Mason Rudolph, Brandon Whedon. Um, Rosen, slightly different system, but Rosen to me, Rosen to me was more of a pro, but like Bryce Petty. He reminds me of Bryce Petty to plenty of extents, you know, where he's the product of an offense. He's immobile. He's a shotgun thrower. And it's like, yeah, you get enamored with the deep ball accuracy, but playing quarterbacks a lot more than deep ball accuracy. And I think the, the big difference between Mac and any of those guys is like he's he won a national championship. And again, there's the talent around him and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that does show that there is there there's some intangible there. You you know at the very least he did like 
plenty of quarterbacks would have shown up to a national championship, gotten their head and thrown a couple of picks, you know, like, like it may not mean that he is like this winner. Like you're, you're not going to be able to beat him this kind of stuff, but you know, he didn't blow it. And you know that he took advantage of all the talent around him and just routed the second best team in the country. How immaculate that tape is, is not lost on me and how good he was against Florida, Georgia, uh, Georgia, Pros at every single level, especially on the D line, especially on the secondary, you know, and then he handles Ohio State and Notre Dame like nothing. Like those are what what I just rattle off four or five top 10 teams. Doesn't even matter. Well, then um, you go back to last year too when he yeah, came Michigan. in relief of Tua, that yep. Michigan game, and then the Iron Bowl last year, they lost by three points, but it was a 48 45 game. Max still threw for 335 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, he had Pros two interceptions, yep. but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just the one-year thing. I think that the one-year wonder is really a cop-out when it comes to Mac Jones because it's, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, a few more games, but it's more than that. So that, if there's one lesson I want listeners to come away with, it's this. The old scouting adage of don't hold something out of a prospect's control against said prospect when evaluating them that rule was written for Mac Jones. So it's not his fault he plays with super talented wide receivers. He earned that spot, fam. Like, plain and simple. Um, that's an elite quarterback room that only elite recruits can get into, and he got his ass into. He beat out who he beat out, and he earned that job to get those. And when he was there, he was as clean as any quarterback has looked at Alabama. Um, so you can't hold that against him. You, you can't hold the one year wonder stuff against him. Given the situation, you just need to evaluate what we do have. Try to separate the circumstances he was in and try to give him a fair eval before we move on. Yeah. yeah, Hank, I'm just really excited to see how this shakes out. Like specifically between like Mac Jones and Trey Lance, because those guys could not be more different. You know, one's all about like yeah. the college production and all this kind of stuff. The other is just like the quarterback you would build in a lab. And so as people go back and forth and debate, and I think Trey Lance is going to win, but but that is the debate in my mind is like, do you want the guy who's who's a good quarterback and, you know, traditionally would have had success at any point throughout history? And, and who knows if that'll continue for guys like mm. him going forward? Or do you want, the guy who, again, is just like built in a lab to be what we all think is the perfect quarterback. Um, and has it ever panned? I mean, Cam Newton got to a it's, Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Are there others? Josh Allen's pretty good, Josh right? Allen's pretty well, they have Donna, won a Super Bowl, though. Donovan McNabb Bowl went to four Super Bowls as a didn't mobile win. quarterback. No, he didn't. Win. No, sure. If if you want to do quarter, uh, if you want to do Super Bowl, but we know that's a deeply yeah. flawed art. Um, I'm yes, looking for a yes, Super Bowl yes. winner. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Terrible what you're doing. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's raw tools against, uh, you know, high profile production and a really clean resume. Um, and there's a reason why raw production often wins out. Because, you know, as I like to say, sometimes we aren't uh, gymnastics judges at the Olympics here. We are trying to project future pros. So, uh, you know, 
nitpicking a, re a prospect resume or a scouting report isn't exactly the goal. It's what tools will translate and be able to rise above everyone else. So it's going to be a really interesting. What about fields, guys? Fields, I know there's been some chat. To me, nothing changes after that game, especially considering the injuries. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it, is there like a 5% greater chance that he might drop to nine after that game? Uh, sure. Why, why not? I mean, you can make the case for almost every quarterback outside of Trevor Lawrence going in the, I mean, the top four or five, let's say, let's not get crazy here, but uh, he definitely could fall to nine. I think, I mean, early on, he looked really sharp. Uh, yeah. The ball placement was there. Yeah. Uh, you could see the arm, the accuracy. He wasn't, from my memory, I don't think he was running around as much as he usually does. I think really. his ribs were still yes. kind of hurting him. Um, he did. certainly wasn't dancing around. If he needed to, he was making one cut and going just to like try and get something positive out of the play. But he wasn't in shape to be able to shake defenders free, prolong a play and like, you know, point some guy open and get his Mahomes on, you know, which is right. a thing that happens I mean, with mobile quarterbacks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, you laid out the the negatives to Fields beautifully earlier. It's all about the the mental stuff right now. Just being able to pull the trigger when he sees it, because he's yeah. kind of he looks at this point as a, a see it to throw it type quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. So, which I mean, you bring that into the NFL, you're going to get exposed very very quickly. Mm -hmm. So you want to, like you said, the traits are all there, but you just gotta. There's a Another negative that you really kind of got to iron out a bit because it's a pretty big one at this point. Well, I swear we've seen him throw with anticipation at times. He's just had these points in his career where he's gotten into a bit of a mental funk and he's he's trigger shy. So he's yeah. waiting to see it before throwing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you want, I mean, in an odd season like this with guys coming in and out, um, them missing games left and right, injuries, who knows? But to me, this really doesn't change anything. Yeah. I came into this saying, you know, Zach Wilson's my number two. Justin Fields with another good game, he can surpass him. Definitely, honestly, pretty easily surpass him. Completing mm -hmm. half your passes for less than 200 yards just doesn't doesn't get it done and as of right now i'm keeping zach wilson as my number two just because i feel like there are more tools there i i feel like you know i, I like his arm better I, I don't i i don't think that a difference in terms of athletic ability is wide enough to be changing things and sure it's great that like Again, like Fields has been on the national stage for a couple of years now. We've seen him do it for a couple of years um, compared Many. to a guy like Zach Wilson, who really did break out this season. Yep. And against some inferior competition as well. I just feel like when I look at those two players just in a vacuum, who do I feel better about being my quarterback? Zach Wilson's the guy. And honestly, I think that there is a conversation at this point, and I know I've been kind of like a big Mac Jones guy today, which isn't something I really expected to be. But if you were to play a football game tomorrow, say, say Goff can't go, his thumb's hurt, and the NFL says you get to choose one of these college quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence to lead this team, who are you taking? Because honestly, I think I might take Mac Jones just because he does seem so much more ready at this point than either of those two. Oof. Yeah. 
like yeah, long term, I would not. But for one I mean, game today, absolutely no. He's yeah. the more pro ready. He's the more pro ready. He's also got a, you know, he's a stone cold killer right now. He's in a zone, man. He's in a yeah. zone. Fields is not in a zone. Fields has lost some ground. Um, it's such an interesting discussion that we could dedicate not just an entire podcast to like a, a an entire like month series of podcasts to um, because I could debate who has the better tools. I could debate who has the better premium tools. It's so much in the eye of the beholder. Do I want the raw athleticism and uh, arm power at that size or do I want that that ability to create magic out of nothing. Um, it's a real beauty in the eye of the beholder type of deal. So it's going to be, that's going to be a fun debate. Um, even though I, as DraftKings has told us, I don't think either are in the conversation at the number one pick, but it'll be fun at the number two pick. Now that we do know Robert Sala and uh, the Lafleur brother will be the OC there. So that'll be fun. Hank, should we take a final break before we jump into uh, some questions from from our peeps? Let's do it. Um, ooh, a new one. Hello. All right, fam. We have a new partner that you can support. Zoom Care. The one great thing we can take away from a pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of your own home. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for that matter. But we all need to take care of ourselves. So what is video care? Well, video care is like a trip to Zoom Plus Care just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor just like a traditional office visit. You get secure access to urgent, um, primary, and specialist care, including mental health. Uh, video care is covered by most insurance or most private insurers, um, usually with a copay. Visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z O O M C A R E.com. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doc sitting in your own living room. So check them out today and see just how easy it is. Zoomcare.com for all the details you need. Beautiful. Um, we've got some good ones. We got into some good chatter here per usual. So we've got, you know, make a note. Some of the stuff we can't get into this episode, we're going to do um, next week, fellas. So anyways, we're going to jump right into the questions. First off, from Ooh, Benny Lava. Hey, Draft Pod. How the hell is it going? Wow. Uh, we now enter my favorite period of DMVR subscription dumb, where I get to ask you fine gentlemen question after question, week after week, and send mock draft after mock draft. I'll keep this week's relatively short. In mocks I've done where the Broncos don't get Sertain or Farley, in the first, there isn't really a good option in the second or third. Is cornerback a must pick at number nine? It's the position we need help at the most, and there's a huge talent drop drop after um, those two dudes. Also, when do you think Trey Sermon gets drafted? Is our third-round pick a pipe dream for that? And for Hank, how do you feel about Talanoa Hufanga, safety from USC, as a day-three prospect? Doesn't really have many plus physical traits, but the guy is just a football player. Would love to see him here. So glad to be commenting back on the draft pod. I miss you guys. Much love. What a wonderful question from who have Ooh, Benny Lava. Lots to unpack. So the depth at cornerback and options after Sertain or Farley. I still think it's a 
fairly solid class. I mean, yes. there's a bunch of guys too that didn't even play this year. You got Paul Sinadibo, yeah, Ambry Thomas, big time. Um, so there's and people like Israel uh, Mukuamu who is just a <laughs> physically just yeah, just a very impressive. We didn't get to see too much of him. So yeah. it's a while I will agree that the Farley and Sertain are I don't want to say they can't miss, but they're among the best prospects in this draft, obviously. There still is pretty decent depth in this class. And I'm just not a fan of pigeonholing yourself into picking one position in one round just because it's a need. So totally. I'd add Elijah Molden to that group. Um, Hank, you're high on Asante Samuels Jr. you know, the two Georgia kids, Tyson Campbell, obviously, and Eric Stokes. We haven't mentioned Jace Horn, the other South Carolina guy. Lots of hype for Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. I mean, you're going to have, you know, the two Oregon kids, Thomas Graham and Lanier. Um, I think there is some decent depth. And, you know, Farley and Sertain, unique prospects for the top 10 as well, because Sertain is so damn clean technically and in matchups against guys like Metcalf and Kyle Pitts holy cow he's unbelievable but then Trevon Grimes in the SEC championship mossed him uh straight up baptize him for like a 60 yard touchdown um you know there's other quick twitch guys that can kind of wiggle open from him so certain's certain's unique i think in most years he probably goes more like where a tradavius white went late first um because those raw tools aren't elite but because he's done it so long because he's done it at alabama because of the bloodlines we give certain a bit of a pass for some of that stuff caleb farley man we're going off some pretty raw sophomore tape guys pretty pretty raw um, so yeah, it's exciting, but to say, oh boy, he's the end all be all at nine. Like, I don't know. I doubt that the math won't work out for him to be the best player available on my board, even at a position of need for the Broncos at nine. just mathematically. That'll be impossible. Um, it, that might also be true with Micah Parsons, by the way, who I have serious concerns about. So Same. there you go. Um, you know, and then what about Trey Sermon getting drafted in the third? I think he goes higher than that, right? There, I mean, there are a lot of running backs you could like. And and I think, again, it's one of those like beauty in the eye of the beholder things where some, some yeah. people are going to really like ETN. Some people are going to have Sermon ahead of them. Some people are going to, I think, really like Kylan Hill or the UNC guys. And Trey Sermon maybe doesn't quite have some of the – modern types of elements to his game that the others do. Like, it's not to say that he can't like go catch balls and do that kind of stuff. Like I do think that he can do that well, but can he do that to a ETN level? No. Najee Harris level? Probably not. And and so I do think that third round is probably where he falls, but it could be second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking, and I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, just looking back at last year's draft, there were 10 running backs taken in the third and second round. So, I mean, mm. he's going to be taken somewhere in that area. It's just, I mean, really, what kind of flavor do you want at running back? There's so many guys this year, so many guys that didn't really play either that it's, yeah. I mean, it's a wild card, man. 
Yeah, I wonder I like if him, that's even the type of back the Broncos should go after. But he's he's the fifth ranked back for me behind Chuba and the the top three I was talking about earlier. Um, that was on air, right? That wasn't off air when I was saying Najee, Javante, Travis Etienne. Yeah, that was. On uh, air. Anyways, those there you go. Those are my top three. If I didn't say it on air, um, but yeah, like to me, Felton. Javen Hawkins, those kind of guys. Um, Puka Williams, the Puka kind of sounds like a terrible person. Um, but anyways, uh, those Chuba are the kind of X factor playmakers. I want, I just want Kadarius Tooney, guys. I want yes. Kadarius Tooney out the backfield. Just use him like Alvin Kamara. That's He's special. Really, like no more BS. That's really what I want. Um, him or Rondale. I think they're very similar. No yeah. Like I, I, could do, talk I don't know that Elijah Moore in a similar role. Like there's a few sure. options there. I'm not sure that Time. Tony or Moore is going to be there when the Broncos pick in the second round though. I know. Oh. Yeah. But then does that mean Rondale dropped? Like, are they all going to go? The are they all going to go before like the 40th pick? What's happening here? I think that'd so. be so Hopefully. fun. Maybe Jalen Waddle drops at that point. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's the depth now of this we've class, gone right? Far, damn it! Uh, that's the depth I know. of this class: playmakers Dude. at running back and wide receivers. So, yes, yes, it's insane how deep this wide receiver class is. Running back worth mentioning: Zamir White, right? I correctly is coming back to school. Yep, the Georgia running back. Um, so that's one less name to the class, but still depth is of Georgia coming back as well too. Mm, nice, that's tremendous. Uh, Hank. You're being asked about Talanoa Hufanga, one of my top safeties. Yeah. Um, ooh, Benny Lava, a little low here, asking about him as a day three prospect and saying uh, I, yeah. he doesn't have many plus physical traits. Your thoughts on this? So day three prospect, I I, I mean, he, I don't think he lasts to the third day of the draft. I, I think when oh, people same. watch, I mean, he's, he's the Pac-12 player of the year, and that was a tough award to win this year. Because in such a or in such a short season, there's just so many guys who can put up stats five straight games. Like like Nate Landman mm-hmm. was right up there with some crazy numbers. Sure. And did missing half of a football game decide that Hufanga was going to win it? I think that that's definitely possible. You, you look at the edge rusher. Let's look outside track now. Yeah. I know, but there's like yeah, all, right. there, there's the a lot of good Kayvon players. Thibodeau. Yep. Mm-hmm. But true. but Talano Hufanga was just incredible he was everywhere and and i mean if you're watching him play you're thinking a lot about troy palomalu you know that's who you're hoping he turns into because he plays the same position the same way he has the hair it's the usc like all that kind of stuff you know the physical traits yeah we'll see we'll see what he measures in it you know is he gonna be like does he have troy palomalu speed let's wait and see. I mean, he does pop when you watch him and the numbers he puts up are incredible. And the way he's used is just, I mean, people want to talk about guys like JOK. Ufanga has the same measurables. I mean, he's 6'1", 215. I think there's room for a little bit more weight. And you look at where he lines up. First of all, he plays all the special teams and he plays them all very well. Um, 119 snaps at free safety. Five snaps at outside corner, 48 snaps as the slot corner, 161 snaps in the box as a linebacker, uh, 36 snaps on the defensive line. Like, there 
there are so many different ways you use him and he is just so effective in all of them. Um, I think think of him as a Jeremy chin, right? A safety that in the NFL almost becomes converted to that coverage linebacker for you. Yeah. I mean, all sorts of different things. I mean, he played Mm. six games this season. He had four sacks and that's because he's just an incredible blitzer off the edge. He had eight more pressures. Like, like it's every game he's living in the backfield. He's a factor on the back end. He's one to watch. And, you know, as Dre, you, you've been as high on him as anybody else. I mean, if he winds up being a first round pick, I will not be all that surprised. I mean, again, it's going to take some a good showing at the combine and that sort of yes. thing. That's what's going to separate the, the number one and two safeties from the number five and six this year. But, I mean, he's... he's if, if I could have any safety in this draft on my team, I would right be up. very hard pressed to find somebody I like better than Talano Ufanga at this point. One of the most puzzling things for me from a scouting perspective is how these in the box safeties get treated so differently sometimes. Because sometimes Jamal Adams goes top 10, and then, you know, like, NFL Twitter likes to be like, oh, all he does is blitz. And it's like, uh, yeah, I had conversations with people saying exactly that about why they weren't ranking Jamal Adams in the top 10. Um, And, you know, Cam Chancellor is another guy who was, you know, went undrafted, right? Had to play in Canada. But then once he gets to the NFL in that role becomes just a, a stud. And then you have guys like Jeremy Cash from Duke, who was an All-American, played exactly like these guys. He went undrafted. Barely made a peep in the NFL. Um, you know, Jeremy Chins of the world go top 50. It's uh, it's all over the place how we can. So everything Hank said is correct. Testing is going to be key for him. But on tape, he's very intriguing. And we will see. We will find out how premium those physical traits are. And with a guy yeah. like Jamal Adams... Oh, uh, yeah, but, you know, he's he's the same size. It's the exact same. He, I think he's 6'1", 214 instead of 215. Um, I'm not sure. Okay, so 4'3", 340 time. Again, that's the separator. But you look through the stats. Yep. He, he played 36 games in college and had two sacks. Just yep. to put in perspective what Talano Ufanga did this season. Um, he forced two fumbles. I'm actually not sure what Talano's numbers are. I will say, the, the, the one thing that could knock Talano down um, obviously the 40 time, but this is something that goes along with it is just like his ability and coverage deep. You know, it's sure. he, he isn't like a lockdown. He isn't Justin Simmons back no, there. He's, you know, he's and, not for a cover three system or a cover two system where he's playing, you know, too deep or even a single high. You want yep. him playing close to the line for sure. Yep. And could he grow? Could the what? You know, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff there, but he has enough tools that I really like that I would love to see him in Denver. 41, maybe. Maybe yeah, definitely. Um, we should talk more about these guys kind of in that mode though. JOK, especially, uh, just having gone back and watched him this past week, mm-hmm. I've got some questions about him, and he's yes. in that similar mold. And just like you said, Dre, there's really no predicting how these guys really turn out from this mold. I mean, you can take an Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons top 10, and yep. he's going to struggle greatly as rookie year. You could take, um, Jeremy Chin still top 50 and he's going to be one of the defensive rookie of the year candidates. So it's just, I don't know. It still is like a relatively new hybrid position and it's something that 
I think we should talk more about on here and both just in private about evaluating these guys. It's just a wild card, really. I mean, I don't really understand what goes into it and why some guys are more successful than others, but it's just super interesting. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it really comes down to mobility and, um, uh, you know, just being more natural in space and not just being at your best coming downhill, even though that's the fun part of these evals sometimes. But yeah, he's a really interesting test case for that. For and sure. that's, that's where JOK really shines. Like when he gets a chance, like he can play behind his pads, which, you know, that's what linebackers do. But when you look at his body type and just like the length that he has and how tall he is, the way that he is able to just like weaponize what is going on from the shoulders up is something special. And that physicality really stands out. But yeah, I mean, definitely question marks in other ways. But that's why to me, he's just more of a linebacker and somebody who you want playing downhill and will do that very well. JOK, the scouting report will read very similar to Patrick Queen and Rokon Smith. A lot of those same weaknesses and bad angles and whiffing on yeah. tackles sometimes. <laughs> so whack draft. It's going to be fun, though. Some teams will hit big because there's a lot of upside. But mm-hmm. Orange and Blue Aussie says, my draft strategies. A, trade up for quarterback to two or three, depending on who will trade down, will cost 940 Next year's first and second, most likely. You choose this if you don't believe in lock. B, if you believe in lock, you can stay put and go hopefully either certain or Farley. Clearly our listeners' favorite combo. You will need to get a hedge quarterback in free agency. If you think Drew, number C, if you think Drew might be the guy but want an out if he isn't, trade down from number nine to somewhere in the early 20s and get back a first for next year so you can move up having two first rounders next year try to get jok this is bad this is based on the assumption that dever doesn't trade for an experienced quarterback and lets bouye go due to his cap hit there are other strategies and if you have one offer it but which one of a b and c would you go with if you were gm so the trade up which 940 a future first and future second is a lot, but I don't know if that's even enough. Um, holding on to lock, getting a hedge QB, which I like. That must be what we call... Uh, I, that's a good way of putting it. Um, and hopefully either certain or Farley in the first. Yeah. Or trade down somewhere in the 20s to add a future first for next year and try to get JOK or someone else at that spot. Given those scenarios, what do you prefer? I'm going A, man. Yeah, I think the biggest need on this team is quarterback. I understand that they're going to need a corner and they might be in a tough spot if they do take a quarterback first, especially if Boye's uh, cut. I just think that this team needs a quarterback that can actually win games first off, but can take care of the ball um, primarily. And that's something that has played this team for the better part of five years at this point now. Um, and I think that hopefully Peyton comes in with a, that outside perspective and really just kind of emphasizes that this team has been one of the worst five teams in the league when it comes to quarterback play over these last five years. And that in order for things to change here, that has to change first. Yeah. You know, I What's to expect from a rookie. 
But yes, I mean, yeah. I think it's a unique situation. And if you can trade up into the top three, hard to argue against that. Yeah, I, that's a lot to give up. That's that's what I'll say. And, you know, I, I, I'm curious, like, if you look through, like, in the end, what is the difference between the number two overall pick quarterbacks and the late top 10 quarterbacks? You know, like, is it really like you're, you're typically – finding better players there. Cause sometimes I, it doesn't feel that way. Um, and, and to I me, think historically the bottom half of the top 10 has done better than the top half or recent history. Huh. And so say. like, yeah. I guess my thing is I'm not sure that I want to give up all of that for Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. Like to me, I just can't get there, especially when another option is like maybe even just trade down and pick up a Mac Jones or maybe, maybe pick up a Trey Lance at, at nine or something like that. Um, I do think that the Broncos need to do something about the quarterback. And, and the further we get from the season, the more I think that it's worthy of dedicating more assets to picking up a quarterback. You know, I think a month ago I was thinking like third, fourth, fifth round, pick up a guy, take a flyer, see, see what you can get, see if it pops, um, give yourself more flexibility going forward. Now, you know, I mean, like if Mac Jones is there at 41, I am taking that every single time. Um, Trask, eh, maybe not every single time, but it's definitely a conversation that I'm having at that point. I wish that there was somebody who I thought was just going to be a good pick at 20 and you trade down and get him there. And like in terms of quarterbacks, I'm just not sure. I think of the, of the options we were given, I would say trade down just because of the way I expect the board to fall, pick up another first next year. Again, just add more flexibility, um, potentially give Drew another year, depending on how things fall. If, if Mac Jones is there at that point, then I'm tempted to take Mac Jones at that 20 pick, especially because you already got another first out of it for next year. Um, those are kind of the load up for a quarterback next year. Yeah. Which do you want to do that for the 2022 class? I don't know. I mean, um, it's too early to tell. Slovis, Sam Howell, Jaden Daniels. Or Sam three guys none of us have ever heard of who are just going to skyrocket like Zach. Yeah, no, the next the next Zach Wilson, uh there'll be one, oh. there might be two. Or Joe Burrow yeah. or you no, know, every Yeah, yeah, I mean, league. every year there's one. There's a Kyler, there's a Baker, but it's one. Um, it's not like an entire class. Yeah. It's not like five. Um, and sometimes those guys are kind of busts like Paxton. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'd go. I like what both of you have said. Um, I think you might just be better off staying put because uh, Henry's point isn't a bad one. Um, you know, you look at the guys drafted in the top five outside of Kyler and Baker recently, I guess Burrow jury's still out and what Herbert went exactly at five. Um, but the guys that are lighting up the NFL, the, the Sean Watson's, the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jackson's, the Josh Allen's, those guys were all drafted outside of the top five. Um, so then maybe the play is to stay at nine. Stay put at nine. Let Trey Lance. There. Yep, yeah. exactly. Let Lance drop to you. See if someone is dumb enough to let Fields drop to you, uh, or Zach Wilson for that matter, and just uh, let it play out from there. I'm. I think next year Drew Lock probably does give you the best chance to win. Um, and Outside of wouldn't mind Trevor Lawrence. 
Would you say Trevor would start over him? Sure, sure. I, I mean, Trevor, I mean, a lot of these guys would start over him for political reasons. And like if we spent a top 10 pick on him, we got to start the guy we spent the top 10 pick on. See, you probably I don't know trade lock for like a third round pick and you kind of keep it. I don't think that would be the move. I, I think they'd keep lock. I, I think that they'd have a competition. And I think that what I would expect to happen is for, you know, Could lock be- to play the first half of the season. And then a guy like say it's fields or Trey Lance, if it's Trey Lance, I don't know that we see him at all this year. And, and I, I think that that could be true of Zach Wilson as well. Look, man, they just gotta, if you get one of these guys in the first round, I think you have to at least give him a chance to play over lock. You know what you have in lock to some, of course you give him a chance. Yeah. But I mean, I'm talking about like to start the season, you know what you can safely go back to lock. I believe Um, you could kind of turn it into like a Tua situation. It's not, Fitzpatrick obviously but you can start the guy that you took in the first round if it's not really working out and he's just not ready you could throw Locke in there and still be okay and then if you wanted to actually go back to the rookie a few weeks later I mean the the quarterback situation couldn't possibly get worse than that I mean that's really like a worst case scenario right where if you do take a rookie they don't really work out I mean at least you have Locke on the roster to kind of bail you out to some degree yeah just running through some of these you know so so joe burrow was a day one starter last year to uh justin herbert the rest of them they weren't year before kyler murray was a day one starter right yeah Mm -hmm. and then was daniel jones or dwayne haskins no eli started for a minute that's right eli's there haskins Haskins they were starting yeah they were starting someone for the block didn't start but then, like the year before, was Baker, Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. So Lamar didn't. Nope. Baker did. Rosen so the rest didn't start, did he? Did they all start to start the season? No, they brought in Bradford. Rosen didn't start. Yeah, they brought in Bradford. Mm-hmm. But still, that's three guys that were yep. kind of handed the key. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's probably fifty fifty. And to me, like Zach Wilson, I don't think is ready. Fields might be because of his legs. Mac Jones, honestly, I, I think would give. I mean, I guess we kind of talked about this already, but I think he'd give Drew the best run. Yeah, I mean, ready is all relative to you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't really know either. I mean, this You're starting, last year, I would have said Herbert wasn't ready. Yeah, he just comes yeah. in and lights it up. Yeah, you got to start the clock on their development though, and start building those reps. That's why I say, like, eh, if you draft the guy in the top ten, locks probably. Not there. It's just an allotment of resources. But I mean, yeah, no, I think the smart choice would be to keep Locke. And uh, I think that'd be more of a political decision than nothing else. I mean, unless you're getting blown away with an offer for Locke, which to me is like a top 50 pick. Yeah, I just feel like Um, you can't give up any young, talented quarterback. At this point, if yeah. you're the Broncos, yeah, until like, you, you the, have the point answers. to me of taking yeah. another quarterback is like improving your odds of finding a guy. Yeah, and I think that adding if you're maximizing, you gotta keep as many around as you can. Right, you're just trying to add weapons to your arsenal, and you're gonna find. You're hoping to find the one. Well, and then you look at the quarterback situation this year when Locke went down. I mean, Rippin was okay in that Jets game, but other than that, it was pretty rough when it came to backup quarterbacks. So if you do take a quarterback, I think you definitely have to keep Locke on the roster just to kind of have someone to at least somewhat rely on 
if the starter yeah. does go down. I think yeah. that's worth a lot. Otherwise, yeah. you have to go get another Joe Flacco or Case Keenum or one of those guys, and that is not a route under any circumstance I will accept. And, like, if, if mm-hmm. the Broncos wind up with Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford or one of those guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a sad man for a while. Yeah, it just doesn't. That would be disappointing because it would feel like the the vision and the title windows aren't quite clear or lining up with the entire roster. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the case for trading up, though. I mean, you've got such a young team and you do have some cap space. You do have I think they only have their seven picks. They have, I think, multiple seventh rounders though yep. this year. So you do have an opportunity to trade up without completely mortgaging your future. Yeah. You're going to be giving up some future picks, but there's still plenty of young talent on this roster and there's still guys that can be resigned for relatively cheap looking at, I don't know, Tim Patrick that, you know, it wouldn't really hamstring this team either way if he is on there or not, but it could help to have him on there and kind of spend those assets now just to get or take a chance at quarterback at least. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one way or another, I think that room needs to just add talent in general this year. For sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, much like if people want to talk about how corner is the biggest need, the same exact argument can be made for quarterback. Um, like, you know, maybe not as much as Bryce Callahan or AJ Bouye, but Drew Locke's shown that he belongs on an NFL roster. He's an intriguing talent. You're so, certainly not like dead in the water if you have to start him, but he's not the end all be all just like those guys there. There's potential to add more depth and there's potential to upgrade the position. So, and I still think he could turn out to be the end all be all too. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'd be interested in buying some lock stock right now. You know, just upside the way everybody's treating it. The the price of the stock is pretty low. I'd be kind of tempted, but I don't think I'd do it. Yes, that's correct. The only concern in buying his stock, um, which, wow, we are entertaining insanity now, but this is fun. Um, (laughs) The only concern is, is that stock about to hit a major bump because a direct competitor is about to come to the market and really take away his shine? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like bringing in a first round guy or another. Uh, Precisely. Yes. Yeah. 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 I I will say just because this is kind of fun now that I think of it. um, Yeah. In terms of stock that I'm buying right now for quarterbacks, I'd buy Trevor Lawrence stock. I'd buy Zach Wilson stock. I'd buy Mac Jones stock. I'm still, I would sell some Trey Lance and I'd sell a little Justin Fields, just like my valuation compared to what I'm seeing in other places. I'll buy that Lancer you're selling. Actually, I'll, I'll buy both Fields and Lance. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the best value socks is those two oh. right now. I think so too. I mean, it kind of goes back to the whole margin of error thing, right? With Fields and Lance, you kind of buy yourself a bit more margin of error just because of who they are as athletes and Big time. physical traits rather than looking at them as a quarterback as a whole at this point. That's true. Trey Lance can truck stick two stars. That's something we know for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of zero and one stars as well. 
true. Yeah. Yeah. He can also outrun his own wide receivers. So it's a bit of a complex eval here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, at a certain point, the guys he's playing, they run four fives and four sixes too. And if you're just like running away from those safeties, I don't know, with like a 30 yard head start, maybe that's worth something. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's all, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope this gives you not clarity. I hope this helped open your minds, uh, expand your draft views, and see that none of us are pigeonholed into just Sertain or Farley or into what these silly draft machine rankings may say. (laughs) They are beautiful tools. We will be using them from time to time but they can also be kind of silly with the aggregate rankings and everyone thinks the same way. Um, and guess what? Uh, that's not the draft. It's not everyone thinking the same way. It's 32 teams thinking the exact opposite way from one in each other and putting all those in order creates just the most beautiful madness you could ever see in the world. And with that, we will keep trying to break down that madness, keep trying to do the most insane exercise of all, humans handicapping other humans. I love it. I thank you, Jake. I thank you, Henry, for entertaining all these lovely discussions. I thank you for sending in questions. We'll be back next week. No bonus episodes, but still one standard episode to talk about it all from now until the draft and beyond. So thank you for tuning in. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back soon.